Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Delighted you could tune in for the Big Red Bench. Roaring Kieran here until 7 p.m. this evening. We have a lot to talk about on the show tonight. We'll be going in depth on the FAI, the Oireachtas, John Delaney. Uh, between now and 7 o'clock, we'll be talking to Gavin Cooney of the 42.ie, who's been doing some fantastic reporting on that all during the week. We'll also get the views of our former Cork City player, Neil Horgan, who popped by the studio earlier on today to discuss that. We'll also hear from Stephen Henderson and his view um, on everything that's gone on this week. And indeed, uh, Cove Ramblers' 2-1 win over Galway United last night. We lost double Cork City's draw uh, with St. Pat's last night. Events off the field certainly overshadowing that. We'll discuss that uh, a little bit later on as well. So plenty to come between now and 7 o'clock. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. If you would like to get in touch, 086-8104-106. Tweet us at Big Red Bench. We'd love to get your thoughts on everything that happened this week with the FBI, uh, with John Delaney, um, with the Iraq this hearing, everything that's happened since. Um, a lot of talk today that John Delaney is done, he's finished, that um, there's been a big meeting in Abbottstown, um, that a statement is due this evening um, saying that John Delaney will be gone um, from the FAI. Um, we've also seen reports that there'll be no statement delivered this evening. Um, so it kind of remains up in the air, but there is a meeting happening Um at Abbottstown at the moment Dan MacDonald from uh, the Irish Independent who's been doing some sterling reporting on all this um, he says uh, he tweeted uh, about 45 minutes ago to say that uh, FBI President Don Conway has been here at Abbottstown all afternoon but the FBI are adamant there is no statement coming from the association today um, so it's all up in the air. We'll get uh, more on all the events uh, of the week um, from Gavin Cooney of the 42.ie in just a little bit. Another man whose future was up in the air today, but we decided to keep him on for the big red benches, Kieran O'Regan. Yeah, but we got past that roar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you did buy me a bread roll today, so that balanced things out. A nice. Fresh, I think it was fresh. Was it fresh? Well, I hammered some nails with it first. Yeah, sorry about and then, that. Yeah, and then, and then I edited it. Look, if it makes you feel any better, I got a croissant and, sure, it was as burnt. Well, I couldn't no, enjoy that doesn't it. make me feel any better, Kiran, but thanks very much. I couldn't enjoy it. <laughs> thanks very know. much indeed, anyway. Uh, yeah, just a very, very busy day of uh, action on and off uh, pitches in football. Southampton may just have done enough to keep them uh, in the Premier League. Uh, they've beaten Wolves today at St. Mary. Shane Long finding the back of the net as well. That's two goals, or two games, two goals, two games in a row, mm. uh, which is big for uh, Shane Long. Uh, elsewhere, Burnley beat uh, Cardiff as well at Turf Moor. Bournemouth, they've beaten Brighton uh, 5-0 at the Amex Stadium uh, big big result there for them uh, Fulham beat Everton as well uh, Tottenham they have an unbeaten record at their new White Hart Lane that's continuing they uh, overcame that is some stadium as well isn't it it looks really really class um, really really class and I don't know it did cost a billion euro it would want to well, be class but yeah. um, there's just some uh, cool bits in it um, yeah, even turn, turn us cross Anita um 
Well, you were there last night. We'll I was. We'll that talk about that. We have a lot to talk about from that last night, so we'll get to that later on in the show. Yeah, uh, Man United taking on West Ham uh, at the moment. Uh, we'll have updates from all those in, in the next few minutes. Uh, locally, though, in the, the Munster Senior League, Avondale and Douglas Hall played out a scoreless draw while Ringman Rangers defeated Middleton. Two goals to one. Uh, it's Ice Women's National League. Cork City taking on DLR Waves in Dublin at 7 o'clock. That one kicks off. In golf, day three of the Masters is underway at Augusta Five players sharing the lead there on seven under. Francesco Molinari, Jason Day, Brooks Kepka, Adam Scott, and Louis Usheisen, they're all up there. Tiger Woods, though, he's only a shot further back. He's on six under par. Rory McIlroy, he's an awful lot to do uh, if uh, he wants to win yeah, this. Out of it. Uh, there's hope. No, there's not. Uh, he, did, he did a lot of talking about, oh, he was reading. McElroy does a lot of talking. That's, like, he's very good at that. Mick Mulgay said Thursday, oh, it seems things have changed. He's reading all these self-help books and stuff going into this. And so he's full of conference. I've read self-help books. Hasn't made my golf any better. <laughs> Uh, or anything <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah this happens with McElroy well that's why I didn't improve my golf because I can't really play golf uh, but we still have to have that uh, golf off uh, we can just play pitch and putt are useless yeah um, uh, but uh, yeah essentially um, this has happened to every tournament really um, he's built up and built up and everyone is like oh Rory's back this is the new Rory this is going to be the year he gets the thing no yeah it's the same thing I'm actually looking forward to going home and just watching that for the evening now as well well speaking of golf if Mrs Hagen is listening <laughs> you're in for a treat tonight love <laughs> Uh, Zach Johnson he uh, achieved a, a bit of an unwanted wanted personal first at the Masters he struck a ball from its tee by mistake during a practice swing um, well, I've been there but mine wasn't a practice swing <laughs> well he won the green jack in 2007 but uh, it didn't go all his way as uh, you'll hear here uh, yeah certainly if I uh, <laughs> pressed uh, the right clip I definitely was on the ball for that one right do you want to intro that again and uh, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll pretend that I was, on, I was ready for and, and definitely not distracted so, yeah, with something else so yeah Zach Johnson he actually oh, yeah, won oh, yeah, the, that guy, yeah, he, he won it in 2007 yeah, yeah, yeah green yeah, jacket yeah, yeah. yeah well uh, he had a bit of an unwanted attention today what happened there? It wasn't uh, intentional. intentional. Wow. I have never... Never seen that. I have oh. never <laughs> seen that. Who would that have hit? Who would have hit Waldo? Left and came golfing with me. They would see that several times <laughs> uh, on several different tee boxes. That bounced off one of the, the caddies' uh, bags. Yeah. Um, very, very lucky. Waldo, I think uh, they were saying it would have hit. <laughs> Poor Waldo. <laughs> Poor Waldo. Um, but uh, anyway, it didn't hit him. It just uh, looked looked bad. But anyway. Uh, in Gaelic games, one game in the County Senior Hurling Championship. Tonight, Aaron's own taking on Ballymartle in the preliminary round in Parkerin at seven. Winners of that play, Charleville. Um, staying with Championship, there's uh, some football happening at the moment. Uh, Glanmire in Intermediate Football Championship are uh, beating Grenna at the moment. 51 minutes gone. It's 2 11 to seven points elsewhere Knocknagree in action as well uh, they're taking on Kildari in uh, 43 minutes gone it's one thirteen to four points in favour of the uh, All-Ireland Junior Champions uh, from last year uh, Rock Chapel they're playing Ballinora 3-4 to three points in favour of the Duhallow team there in uh, the Red FM Division 1 Hurling Leeds Nice uh, Newsestown and Newtown Chandram have just thrown in uh, St. Finbar's taking on Killa in Riverstown at 7.30 there's also uh, some other games going on as well in Division 2, the Red FM Division 2 Hurling League at halftime. Mallow, 12 points. Father O'Neill's 2 goals and 4 points. And uh, Fromoy, 111. Cloyne, 113. 
in Camogie. Uh, the Cork team, the Cork minor team, they're into the All Ireland semi final. They drew at Galway today up in Gort. But uh, that draw one eleven apiece means uh, that on scoring difference, because it's run on a group uh, stage, they go through on points difference. I think they had a, a better, a seven point better uh, points difference than Galway did. So they're playing Kilkenny next week in the semi final. Mm. Uh, I think they're listening to us as well up in Gort on the bus down. So uh, congratulations to them. Uh, the Cork under fourteen ladies. They were also. Uh, celebrating today uh, they're the under 14 Munster champions they defeated Kerry in Mallow today locally in the Ulster Bank League in Division 1A Shannon 19 Corcon 34 UCC and UCD played out a 20 point apiece draw Division 2A Dolphin lost out to Cashel 24-32 while Highfield in the last home game of the season for them absolutely uh, hockeyed uh, different sport but you know what I mean uh, UL Bowes 41 to no score Division 2B Sligo uh, overcame Sunday as well 36-34 in TC Bruff had a big win over Middleton 26-8 uh, Abandoned they're also the All-Ireland Under-16 Rugby Champions they well defeated, done, Abandoned Yeah they defeated Wexford side uh, Gorey 27-16 that follows on from their under-18s last year who mm. won the All-Ireland title Great work being done, done so, Yeah lots of uh, good work being done uh, underage down there so uh, congratulations to them there's a few texts after coming in as well from them so uh, congrats to them In racing the 25-1 to 1 outsider taking risks won the uh, Scottish National at air today um, and there's a, a eight race car taking place in Nason Snooker Ken Doherty is taking on England's Andy Lee in the first round of the World Championship qualifiers and in basketball in the Men's Division 1 League Cup Trader Central Ballincollig defeated IT Carlo and DCU today 83-74 that means they now go into the final to take on the Dublin Lions tomorrow My Congratulations uh, to the colleague Alright our friends at Radio Kerry have sent this tweet out um, John O'Regan of the Kerry District League has told Radio Kerry Sport that John Delaney has sent him a text to say that Delaney was stepping down from his position as Executive Vice President of the FEI Interesting John O'Regan is very well connected in there so uh, if John O'Regan has come out and said that I believe it yeah, so uh, still nothing confirmed as of yet. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that one if anything breaks over the next uh, 50 minutes or so. But uh, Radio Kerry reporting that Delaney has himself confirmed that uh, John Delaney uh, is stepping down from his position of the Executive Vice President of the FEM. Now, it has been, of course, a massively interesting week uh, for Irish football, um, um, considering the the... Newspaper coverage has gotten from the Iraq this hearing, which I watched all of. It broke my brain. Um, particularly the morning part. The, the afternoon wasn't as bad, but the morning part was a bit of a slog. Uh, but for more on it, um, we've spoken to Gavin Cooney of the 42.ie, who's been doing some absolute tremendous work in reporting on this. Uh, he was actually in the Iraq this hearing as well. So we spoke to Gavin earlier on today. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, Gavin, I'll ask you the question that you posed in your article today. Has has this been the most damaging week of the FEI's history? I actually think it is. And that is not a question that is lightly posed, considering, like, as I was writing uh, for the 42 this week, that this is an organisation that has been to three World Cups. After one of them saw a ticket tape um, abscond with 200 grand in, grand in ticket revenue, and on the eve of another, the best player in the squad walked out. So it's not a, qu- a question lightly posed, like the FAI, I remember. I think it was that Michael Nugent described the FAI in the 90s as a perpetually exploding clown car. So, like, they've got plenty of um, form for dysfunction. Uh, but given all that context, I think absolutely this is an extraordinarily damaging week for the FAI and for Irish football. 
You were at the Oireachtas on Wednesday. I mean, like, what was that experience like? For me, watching it, it was an exercise in frustration. What was it actually like being there in the flesh? It was frustrating at the beginning. Uh, but I have to say, I, I found it kind of worthwhile just to see how big a wake the time was, yeah. if that makes any sense. Because, so John Delaney cited legal advice as reasons why he couldn't discuss the circumstances behind the 100,000 euro loan and along with his role as uh, his role as chief executive, which he served on a full-time basis in 2005. And that's absolutely within his rights, and he has the complete right to do that. But it was also a choice in his part. It was, it was, you know, very frustrating. You could see frustration among the politicians, frustration among the press and the galley, and as, as you elucidated there, thank you for frustration among people watching. Um, but then, you know, it was essentially an eight-hour broadcast and how the FAI do their business. And they had the opportunity uh, to clarify and bring transparency to an issue that John Delaney was insistent he did for, quote, the good of football. But they decided not to do it. Um, so it, it, I ultimately found it worthwhile from the sense that there were a number of specifics that were teased out during the meeting that were worthwhile that I can go into. But just on a broader point, that's the, that's the, the FAI, or the most powerful people among the FAI, that is their attitude to transparency, and that is how they believe, um, and that is basically their attitude to the public. Because mm. Ruth Coppinger asked uh, John Delaney in his role, in his uh, in his new role as, as executive vice president, did he feel it was fair that he was answerable to the public? This is the public, of course, that you know buy tickets and buy merchandise, um, which allows sponsors' logos to be put on them for you know a lot of money. Um, and that's one thing that John Delaney has justified his high salary in is the increase in sponsorship revenue at the FAI throughout his time there. Um, and when Ruth Coppinger posed that question, he said, I've already read my, read my statement. He could have said that it's absolutely fair um, mm. that he's answerable to the public. That wouldn't, have been in, that wouldn't have been going against legal advice, but he chose not to do it. Yeah, I have to admit, when he said the, the line about legal advice and he couldn't answer questions, I had to laugh because, I mean, it was just... Um, the manner of it and just like the, the the lack of accountability from him was was kind of frightening. Yeah, yeah, I know, absolutely. Look, it, look, it, uh, it is his right and he's completely uh, within his right to do it, but it is extremely frustrating that you had a situation in which the full details of a loan were not, um, cannot be revealed until there's these independent reviews by Mazars and Grant Thornton. Independent in the sense that they were uh, that they're commissioned by members of the same board that are going to pay for them. So you'd have to question the independence in, in the truest sense of the word there. And the fact that, you know, but this extended even beyond the loan to the fact mm. that, you know, John Delaney sat there in silence while uh, Rhea Walsh, the interim CEO, was asked about the Genesis report of 2002. And she naturally prefaced it by saying, well, obviously I wasn't involved in the association. So while she stumbled through questioning on that, the man who had risen to power in the FAI promising to, to implement it sat silent. There were other questions, like Alex O'Connell, the finance director, was brought forward. Uh, he's only been in the job two weeks. He was clearly nervous and clearly flustered having been brought forward, and he was clearly unfairly unable to an- answer certain questions, but he's only been in the job for two weeks. And still John Delaney sat silent. Like, they were really unwilling to divulge anything. Yeah, certainly were. What was the most surprising thing that you kind of that you learned that, that emerged from Wednesday's hearing for you? Oh, um... I would have to go with Honorary Treasurer Eddie Murray sitting there um, and saying that he believes that the FAI have won bank accounts. And it was then clarified less than an hour later that, oh, in fact, we have 24 bank accounts. So uh, the Honorary Treasurer there was just um, yeah. just the 23 bank accounts out, you know. But even, like, like let's, like, 
stop thinking about the 100,000 euro loan for a minute and think about like the levels of competence or the levels of incompetence that were on display there. The honorary treasurer was unable to say how, how many bank accounts. I mean, he didn't know how many bank accounts he's presiding over with the FAI. The honorary treasurer was unable to say whether the FAI have always had an active tax clearance certificate. Uh, the FAI were unable to decide themselves who signed off in a press statement on the 18th of March saying that the board of the FAI has been fully informed on the issue of the loan at all times. And it was actually, in fact, only three members of the board, uh, then Chief Executive John Delaney, then Honorary, um, uh, then Honorary Secretary Michael Cody, and then President Tony Fitzgerald. They were the only three people who knew about the loan uh, uh, from April 2017 when it was made. The rest of the board were only told on the 4th of March this year, after the Sunday Times had put in their first query about it. And the FAI weren't able to decide among themselves who signed off in the press statement. And to all those questions I've just listed, plus I think four or five more, the FAI promised uh, to come back to the committee uh, or the, and or the individual politicians who asked the questions with the answers after, after the fact. And uh, we did this during the 42 yesterday, 48 hours after the committee ended, they responded to them precisely none of it. Yeah. Yeah, they just, I, I mean, they just, they, they're not answering anything. Mm. But, and the, the thing is, like, this is clearly FAI's tactic, and it's fine. They're completely within their rights to do that. But they've done it in the full view of the public now. And you have to say, like, the response has been pretty staggering. You've got the PFAI, uh, the Players Football Association of Ireland, issued a ex- really quite extraordinary statement afterwards in which they, they built on Ruth Coppinger's quote that this has been Hamlet without the Prince. They went on to state that uh, something is rotten within the FAI. The chairman, Gary Rogers, who is the starting goalkeeper on the domestic champions, um, was moved to say that the prize money for the League of Ireland um, is disgraceful, I think was the quote he used, and said that the Oireachtas hearing was a new law for Irish football. Like, where else would you get it? The Taoiseach is now saying that I don't think anyone was happy with John Delaney's performance. Fans are organising protests. The Leinster Senior League are balloting clubs as to whether there's confidence in the FAI board. The pressure is insane, and probably most telling is the fact that sponsors are now asking questions. Three are the main sponsors of the FAI. They're, they're the, the mobile phone company with the, with the logo emblazoned on, on, the, on the shirts of the senior men's team. They're moved to talk about their... Um, the stock that they put in corporate governance. And sponsorship money is absolutely critical to the FAI. I think it's 8.9 million euro. Uh, the, sorry, the FAI made 8.9 million euro from sponsorship in 2017. And that account uh, of a turnover that was 49 million euro. And it's absolutely crucial. And it's ever more crucial because the FAI have now contrived to lose their state funding for the second time in their history. And while that, while the, uh, well, the financial element of that might not bite for a while because they were granted early drawdown this year. I think the next uh, the next sum of money that they're due is six hundred seventy thousand euro in Oldham. Like, it's extraordinary. Yeah. So, uh, it, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, sorry. Gavin. Um, like, <laughs> like, you were obviously there, went on for eight hours. Now, admittedly, I didn't see all eight hours, but uh, from watching it, it just seemed like a bit of a, a comedy show. Like, those people in there that the committee didn't even know about, Rude Doctor was in there. I don't know. All, all I saw him do was shuffle papers for the majority of the, the whole thing. And the communications manager, um, the, the new person in that position, they, they didn't, the committee didn't seem to even know who he was until towards the end. And, um, he didn't have answers then when he was asked questions. It just seemed a bit all over the place. Didn't even have copies of the statements like John Delaney's one when he wasn't going to uh, talk it, anyway. Can you, be- 
can you believe, like, what a, what a really unfortunate set of circumstances that was, not having John Delaney's statement. Mm. For anyone unaware that the FAI re- were requested uh, to submit all opening statements to the committee by noon on Monday. And while Donald Conway's, President Donald Conway's 22-page oration uh, about, uh, and on, among other things, the various achievements of the FAI, which include the fact that Colin Bell's women's team have a match later this year, uh, and also on the mechanics and benefits of um, oh God! It plays some kind of glow in the dark football. Like the, the exact phrase, uh, the exact title of it escapes me now. But for some reason, John Delaney's statement was not submitted with them, which is really very strange. Um, and I think Ruth Coppinger called it highly unusual. Uh, none of the committee expected John Delaney to speak. They were delighted that he did, of course. But they needed, you know, you need you need to get these statements in advance uh, to do basically just do your homework on them and do research on them. Um, so Delaney read his statement and uh, sorry, referenced the fact he was going to make a statement. Fergus O'Dowd said, well, hold on a minute, we weren't expecting this. They had to take a 15-minute break to read it. We came back and Fergus O'Dowd said, we now have to take another 15 minutes in private sessions because it can, to consider what it is. And to, by consider what it is, consider the line in which uh, Delaney said he would, uh, would only be citing legal advice. Um, Rude Doctor, he's the high-performance director uh, at the FAI, so they, like the FBI were initially meant to go before this Iraqis committee back in January. They were invited in as a result to the hoo-ha that kicked up after Mario O'Neill was sacked. And then that was delayed until 20th of February. And initially it was uh, to be John Delaney, then chief executive, along with Fran Gavin, the um, uh, competitions director, and Rude Doctor, the high performance. Uh, director, but then obviously the the news uh, the news agenda changed pretty substantially, so that uh, other members of the board were holding. But they brought in Rude Doctor and they brought in Fran Gavin um, for another another bit of meat in the room. Fran Gavin didn't say too much. Rude Doctor literally didn't say a word across eight hours. I mean, you'd imagine as a high performance director, uh, he would be better there of doing something else with his day, but um, but maybe not. Um, a couple of people certainly emerged with credit from Wednesday's hearing. You mentioned Ruth Coppinger as well, but Jonathan O'Brien, the Sinn Féin TD for Cork, uh, was exceptional in his line of questioning on Wednesday. Yeah, he was. Uh, things really improved when Jonathan came in. He wasn't as part of the morning. He's not a member of the committee, but any elected representative is entitled to go in and sit down and ask questions of, um, uh, if they so wish. Uh, and Jonathan obviously have, has been heavily involved in Cork City in the past. And he had a very he had a very specific uh, line of questioning uh, as regards uh, payments, uh, just uh, elaborating on the accounts um, and payments to the League of Ireland clubs. Uh, and there were other issues on the loan that he asked about, um, particularly. Uh, well, I mean, Jonathan actually had two questions to which he'd been promised an answer. He, uh, President Donald Conway actually promised him an answer uh, by the following day on a question as to why the one hundred thousand euro loan wasn't included in the monthly financial reports. For April 2017, he hasn't got a he hasn't got a response to that. And uh, Senator Jonathan yesterday afternoon he said that he wasn't he wasn't expecting one anytime soon. Yeah, actually, on that point, like a couple of TDs had uh, they asked questions and they were told, "Oh, we'll come back to you on that," which seemed kind of pointless. With the who are they going to ask uh, these questions to when they go back? Because the people who are in that committee are the people who should know the answers to to those questions. But on Jonathan, there, um, I don't know, did you see it uh, overnight? But he was uh, taken out of Turner's Cross last night um, from the the crowd. There was a banner up, uh, Delaney out. No, he said that he wasn't even at the banner, um, but. Yeah, he's one of the people who kind of saved Cork City a couple of years ago, one of the many people. Um, like, it doesn't look good. No, it definitely doesn't. Matter. I don't really want to say too much about what happened to Turner Cork because I don't know mm-hmm. the full story behind that yet. Uh, but no, but like, 
this, see, this is the big, this is the biggest problem for the FAI, and I think that brings me back to what I was saying at the beginning. It's like it's the, probably the most damaging with the FAI because the brand, the brand, for want of a much better phrase, is kind of toxic at the moment. You know, this, this protest being organised and whatever happening in Cork City like that is, mm. you know, it, it seems pretty over the top. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, we're running out of time, Gavin. Um, what do you think is going to happen now moving forward? Ferguson Dowd says he wants to see a sea change in, in the board of the FEI. Um, what's going to happen? Is John Delaney going to ride this out? Are the FEI going to ride this out? Or is there too much pressure on them now? Well, riding it out has been kind of the modus operandi for a while. But, um, like, the pressure, I mean, the pressure is pretty damn intense now. Um, but ultimately, I think it oh, it will come back to money. So sponsors keep on the pressure. I mean, that might you know that might make something tell at Abbottstown. Um, we ride for the Iraq this next Tuesday. I'm sure you'll be uh, very excited <laughs> to hear. Sport Ireland are back. Uh, John Tracy is going to be uh, chatting in alongside uh, Minister for for Sport Shane Ross. Uh, so that will be uh, that will be highly worthwhile, no doubt. But I understand Tracy is going to. Um, is going to be pretty hard hitting in his opening statement. Uh, what you see that what is has emerged from the last couple of weeks is the lack of oversight that we have and the independent oversight that we have into the FAI and the other sporting and bodies in Ireland uh, by extension of that. Uh, so Sport Ireland has suspended their funding. What more can they do? Well, uh, Robert Troy raised the idea at the Oireachtas on Wednesday that well, what if Sport Ireland? Made a require uh, if Sport Ireland were to say before we reinstate funding, do we uh, w- will ask if uh, whether all the all the board will step down? And Donald O'Connor had to be asked that three times before he eventually said that uh, we do not want to jeopardise Sport Council funding, so we would do whatever whatever we have to. So you'd imagine that puts the ball firmly in Sport Ireland's court to do that. But the likelihood is that we'll have to wait for these the rep- uh, these the completion of these reports by Mazars and by Grant Thornton um, and see where we go from there. But the pressure is is a pretty extraordinary at this stage. I mean, you know, we talk about the FBI writing things out and John Delaney has written a personal controversy in the past, but he's more or less, he and or the FBI have been more or less in the front pages of newspapers since St. Patrick's Day and we're, that's nearly a month now. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Gavin Cooney from the 42. Thanks very much for joining us on the, the Big Red Bench. Uh, very interesting times, and I suppose next week we'll uh, hopefully tell a lot. Uh, we'll see what happens from that uh, rock this meeting. But, Gavin, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Top stuff, cheers. Yeah, great to hear uh, Gavin Cooney of the 42.ie recorded that earlier on today before um, word of the meeting in Abbottstown and a lot of talk that John Delaney is going to step down and as I mentioned before we went into the interview with uh, Gavin our colleagues uh, from uh, Radio Kerry uh, currently reporting that uh, the uh, chairman or, or not the chairman um, the uh, John O'Regan is he the chairman of the Kerry District League? Uh, yeah, he, I think he's the, I don't know, is he the secretary or chairman of the, the Kerry District League? Well, he's got a text from John Delaney yeah. with John Delaney telling him that he's stepping down from his position as executive vice president of the FBI. Yeah, um, he, he they, those two are fairly close, so uh, that could, yeah. well, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. But come here, there was um, City obviously playing last night. There was a, an incident that maybe not everyone would have seen. Um, it, I've just seen a clip of it here on the, the TV in front of me, actually. But yeah. um, down in the, I think it was in the corner, there was, uh, Stewarts and Gardy involved and, and supporters. What, what actually happened? Uh, right. Uh, I'm going to give you what I saw. What happened. Right. Start off with there was um, a bit of a protest last night. So fans, certain fans boycotted uh, the, Joe, the Joe Delaney stand, the stand named after uh, John Delaney's dad. So they moved down uh, closer to uh, the uh, the giant island. 
um, in the second half um, a banner with or not even a banner an Irish flag with just the words Delaney out appeared um, someone was holding it Delaney out there was a couple of chance Grant um, then security stepped in tried to confiscate the flag um, things escalated um, to the point where Gardy were called in um, Jonathan O'Brien TD uh, was front and centre um, he wasn't the one with the flag However, he was trying to defuse the situation, um, tell the guardy that, whatever, look, it's just a flag, move on, just let it go. Um, it escalated and escalated to the point where John, Jonathan was removed from Turner's Cross. Um, the club then released a statement uh, earlier on today uh, saying, yeah, the club is aware of discussion around an incident that took place at Turnus Cross uh, last night. This is released at 12.13pm. The club intends to review your report, speak to all the parties concerned. The club is committed to making visits to Turnus Cross an enjoyable one for all supporters. We apologise for any upset these uh, actions cause for our supporters and staff. We will review all of the club's internal security procedures with our event controller and guardie. We'll update uh, members and supporters when we have more information and if any Anyone attending last night's game is footage they wish to share. Uh, email Forest Trust at CorkCityFC.ie. They then released another statement um, at about five to four, saying. Further to our statement issued earlier, the club wished to confirm that it has it has reviewed CCTV footage of the incident that occurred at Turner's Cross yesterday. In the time since the end of the game last night, the club has also spoken to all parties involved in the matter. At lunchtime, members of club staff and the board of management met with Mr. Jonathan O'Brien TD, who was for a short time removed from the stadium last night. Having spoken to Mr. O'Brien and reviewed the CCTV footage, the club wishes to confirm that there was no breach of stadium regulations by him. This was a frank and positive discussion and both parties are happy. The matter is now concluded to their mutual satisfaction. In addition to the meeting with Mr O'Brien, the club now plans to have further discussions with all key stakeholders involved in advance of our next home match uh, with the intention of ensuring the best match night experience possible for our supporters. Uh, we tried to get Jonathan to come on the show. Um, we couldn't get uh, through to him. We will try again tomorrow. Um, but it would be interesting to hear Jonathan's view on it. Um, but that's basically what happened last night. If the stewards um, and Gardy didn't get involved, that flag would have been removed within uh, a few minutes because no one's going to hold a flag up for an extended length of time. Rare's going to get tired. It's, it's, it's basic. So instead of someone, a very, very minor incident, this has blown up into uh, a national news story. Um, as we mentioned there with Gavin, like Jonathan um, acquitted himself incredibly well at Adderock this hearing on Wednesday. Uh, and then for him, former Cork City chairman, one of the men, one of the people responsible for saving Cork City back in 2010, uh, for him to be treated in that manner wasn't acceptable. And look, to be fair to Cork City, they resolved it. They resolved with Jonathan O'Brien. Um, it's been concluded to their mutual satisfaction, as the statement says. But it was, uh, if you don't go in and try and forcibly take a flag from someone that just says Delaney out, um, it's a nothing story. It might be a photograph on social media, and that's it. It blew up. It was um, the wrong approach. Yeah, it, it did. Cause other, th- there was other grounds across the country had uh, Delaney out signs and didn't look like anyone was taking it yeah. up. Like you said, you're only going to hold it up for so long anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah it would have been a minor thing. Look, um, yeah, you'd see a lot of theories on the internet that say, oh, that was John Delaney behind it. He wasn't. Like, it was just... 
Um, it was an unfortunate incident, but um, the city have moved quickly to, to try and resolve it and repair their relationship with Jonathan O'Brien, which it appears they have done. Hopefully, uh, we'll get Jonathan uh, to come on the show tomorrow. Uh, all right, half time at Old Trafford, Darren Stanage. Manchester United 1, West Ham 0. A fairly even game at Old Trafford. The hosts in front at the break. The goal came from the penalty spots, converted by Pogba after Matter had been felt by Snodgrass just inside the area. Despite the real lead, though, United haven't been dominant. The final ball letting them down on several occasions West Ham they've played well they're unfortunate to be losing they had the ball in the net through Anderson it was ruled out for offside they've looked dangerous from set pieces De Gea has had to be alert with the ball fizzing it around his box at the break United 1 West Ham 0 we are going to take a quick break when we come back former Cork City player Neil Horgan will give us his view on the FBI missed the show grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie the Big Red Bench Rory McIlroy has dropped uh, two hole, two shots in his opening at nine holes. He's dropped back to uh, two over par at the Masters. Tiger Woods uh, teeing off at about uh, five past seven Irish time. All the focus uh, understandably going to be on him. It would be an incredible story if he were to win the Masters. Uh, last one a major in 2008. It's going to be an incredible story if he can do it. So looking forward to watching that later on this evening. All right, for more on the FBI, for more on uh, John Delaney, um, former Cork City player Neil Horgan uh, calling to me earlier on today to discuss everything that happened this week and uh, uh, kind of uh, and then, uh, kind of zooming out a bit and talking about the FBI and I suppose their lack of support uh, for the League of Ireland over the years. Well, it's been a bad week for uh, Irish football, I think. Um, you know, the reputation of the FBI and... Um, Soccer in Ireland really has mm. taken a beating this week. Um, so overall, I think what happens next is the important thing. Um, as a former player, that's what we always used to think. Anyway, um, for me, I see Sport Ireland are awaiting the um, reports that were commissioned by the FAI and the recommendations that are com- going to come from those reports. Mm. And they had said if the FAI comply with the recommendations for those reports, then they may um, start the funding again and, mm. and take off the suspension of funding. For me personally, I think... I've seen FAI Commission reports before for the League of Ireland. The Conroy report was the one that you know I've kind of written about a bit. Um, for me, that that report w- was limited in its scope. Um, I wasn't happy about it uh, from a League of Ireland point of view, and and as I say, it was an FAI Commission report. So I'd have some doubts um, about the recommendations that will come out from the reports, and that's no fault of the people who are doing the reports. But if you're a body that are looking for reform, um, I think ideally, in this situation, ideally for me, it would be the government that would be commissioning a report Mm. and not the FAI because the FAI commission reports are are going to be, I suppose, dependent on, on what what the questions were asked by the FAI for them to answer. Were you frustrated when John Delaney's the only thing he said basically was I can't talk because of legal advice yeah I was away as I was talking to Rory um, this week so I, I didn't see it but if that's the case I suppose yeah you, you would be frustrated I, I, I think overall I think most people were looking for an honest answer as to what mm-hmm. happened um, uh, overall again I think personally the, 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 the fear is that 
the restructuring that's needed, the dramatic restructuring that's needed for the FAI uh, may or may not happen. Mm. So I, I, I do want answers to what happened with the 100,000 and why it happened and we that investigation needs to happen. But if, if for example, we get answers in relation to that and there's some measure of reform in respect of how the governance of the FAI board um, carry on their, uh, you know, is, is conducted going forward. That's not enough for me mm-hmm. um, as as a, a sport of Irish football. This is a big chance for dramatic and much needed reform of Irish football, and I think we need to um, we need to acknowledge that it needs reform, it needs dramatic reform, and perhaps we need experts from outside of the FAI to give their views as to how we best um, put our best foot forward into the future for our Irish football. Now, as for dramatic reform, I mean, like, we're recording this at, what, 20 past three in the afternoon, but we're hearing that John Delaney might be gone by uh, as early as tonight. Would that be dramatic enough, or is that just the start that's needed? Um, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know whether that's going to happen or not. I think, to me, it doesn't matter who's there. I know that sounds a bit um, naive almost mm. that you think, you know, the person who was in charge of the FA for, for so long, if he's going, that won't change things. But I, I honestly have a fear that no matter who comes in or if Delaney was to go, if we don't get to the underlying problems, mm. um, which is probably to do with how um, the voting mechanism with the FAI and how that, that works out and, and dividing the voting versus the handing out of grants yeah. I think it's an important point um, so I, I think there's a lot of undercurring issues that need to be addressed and taking out the head whilst it might seem like the appropriate thing to do at the moment and I, I'm not one to say that it is or not mm. I, I think it, it, the fear would be that would be the only thing that would happen mm. Now we've been League of Ireland fans pretty much all our lives and we've kind of always, like, I think League of Ireland fans always feel that, like, the FBI doesn't care about the league, has always kind of looked down on the league. Uh, is that your feeling and can things improve if if there is reform? Well, the hope would be that it would. Um, I do feel that that has been the case for, you know, 100 years, honestly, mm. that the FAI, since its foundation, has primarily dealt with the national team and you can see how it would build up into that because a lot of um, incomes would be, you know, dependent on the money coming in from the national games and 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 the like. So it's a question. It's actually a deep rooted question, I think, about the, um, the the reason for being of the FAI. What's the French phrase for the reason? That, that's it. And whether actually domestic football is is almost more important. It, it is to me. Mm. Um, than the national team's results from from a from a governance point of view, and if you were interested in the health of Irish football, if that was your priority, then I would be spending more time at the domestic league than I would in the national team. Who you know, whether they'll qualify in two years or four years' time, great. But like the real signs of progress for Irish football would be fantastic. You know, modern small stadiums around the country, mm. professional game in Ireland, a plan for a professional game in Ireland which would be a proper alternative which is getting to don't get me wrong now and there has been good um, improvements like the underage structures and I think more of that but even in the implementation of the underage structures I think the FAI have been lacking in not doing enough to um, accommodate there's like there's going to be frictions as you've seen under 15s under 17s between local clubs mm-hmm. and um, League of Ireland clubs I think the FAI need to be leaders 
in, in addressing those issues and I think at the moment that what they did it just for that example what they did is they just created these structures which are very good and then left the clubs to kind of fight it out yeah. amongst themselves that's just one example um, but overall I think the League of Ireland has to be the place where you know real reform is, is needed and you do need you do need dramatic change for, because even in the last 10-15 years there hasn't been like as I say they go back to the Conroy report which, which John Delaney said was the most exhaustive I think he said the most exhaustive yeah. report that was ever done in, in, onto the League of Ireland it didn't mention anything about professional football mm. and Rory you know uh, I was playing professional football with Cork City yeah. in the era where we went under on the basis and, and the, the answer that everyone was saying was that because, because you went professional mm. or because the money was too much it wasn't even addressed you know, it wasn't even addressed, and you remember everything we went through. Yeah, and then it was as if it never happened. Mm. So that, that can't carry on. I think there there has to be. We have to learn from what happened. There has to be a plan for um, professional football in Ireland. But when your chief executive is calling the league a problem child, that creates a kind of us versus them kind of thing. Yeah, I think he said difficult child, but I agree with you. I, I think that comment, in one sense, I, I I had no problem with, in that he was finally acknowledging that there's a problem with the yeah. Irish football with the, with the league. Of Ireland. That's fine if he had said that, but on the other hand, you had all these reports saying, or, and all these commentary from the FAI, including John Delaney, saying the league is in a great state. Mm. So they were, you know, it felt to me like they were on one hand saying when it suited them that it was great, and on the and, and, and on the other hand, they kind of revealed that you know actually this is a difficult. They're, they're well able to take credit for um, like the, the, it was a Frank Gavin saying that um, they, they created the atmosphere yeah. for Dundalk's success, and even uh, Donald Conway in his opening statement to the Oireachtas, um, listing out the FBI's recent achievements, cited an eleven percent rise in League of Ireland attendances, which I kind of just laughed at, like you know, because the FBI had very little to do with the promotion of the league at the start of the season. Yeah, as I said. I, I think Rory I, I think reality how many people in the FA are running the League of Ireland mm. how, how much resources do they give to it yeah probably is there two people running it and possibly Gavin and possibly two people Ray Walsh was the head or of Michael licensing Co- Cody yeah. uh, possibly I don't know right not a huge amount of people involved mm. how much do they earn per year or how much was what's their revenue is yeah. it 40 million mm. so they definitely don't priority, prioritise the League of Ireland mm. they definitely don't and it's for me it's an omission a continuing neglect of the league mm-hmm. which is absolutely unforgivable absolutely unforgivable and it, it's continuing you know to this day mm, certainly is alright Neil we'll leave it there uh, thanks very much for interest Jack thank you that's uh, former Crocsia player Neil Horgan very very interesting stuff there as Neil discusses uh, the FAI uh, John Delaney and um, I suppose the lack of support um, from the association towards League of Ireland which has always been a bugbear of every League of Ireland fan um, that the FBI don't basically support the league and Neil outlined why there and what can be done to improve it it's um, very very uh, interesting if you've missed any of our show as well it's going to be on our podcast this evening you can get that on redextra.ie uh, while that interview was uh, being played West Ham equalised at Old Trafford Manchester United won, West Ham won, Manchester United conceding, making dreadful errors. De Gea rolled the ball out, looking for Pogba, it was intercepted. West Ham came on the attack, down the left-hand side, in came the cross, and there to fire home was Philippe Anderson. It's Manchester United won, West Ham won. And Kieran, still no official word as of yet, but by all accounts, John Delaney is gone as Executive Vice President of uh, the FAI, mm-hmm. um, texting uh, friends, including... Um, 
uh, was John Regan of the the, the Kerry District Kerry, League, yeah. um, to say that he was stepping down. So still no official report on that yet. Uh, Gavin Cooney reporting earlier that there could be an announcement tonight. Daniel McDonald saying that the FAI aren't planning to release a statement um, tonight. So it'll be interesting to see. But by 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 the looks of it. Uh, John Dane will be gone by the FBI. Just it's a it's just a matter of when it'll be announced. Yeah, interestingly, I've just seen that that tweet from Radio Kerry Sport that's out. Uh, Mark Ty has retweeted it mm. um, from the Sunday Times. Um, so there's something to it. Uh, like he's broke the whole story in the first place. Yeah. If if he was retweeting that, he like he he knows Fletcher that if, if if there wasn't any truth in it, he wouldn't be retweeting it. So uh, there possibly is yeah something in that and. This is the thing. Is it going to be I'm gone as of this moment or is it going to be announced that John Delaney will step down as the FBI's executive vice president in 2021? I, I knew there was something I wanted to say before the break, but I couldn't remember what it was, but you're after reminding me. Um, he's on the UEFA Executive Council till 2021. And he's up for re-election, but he has to have a title with the FBI to be re-elected to but the But that's in 2021, yeah. so is he going to hold that position for... That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Is is it going to be? Yeah. Oh, John Delaney has announced his exit plan from the FBI, or is it going to be John Delaney has stepped aside yeah. as blah blah blah? That's uh, the thing. He just holds that role. Whatever. I'm a speaking suspicion. It could be they'll announce an exit plan for John Delaney, and he'll yeah. be uh, remaining on board to oversee the transition of blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Yeah, um, that's the way it is. Look, it would be very messy if the whole board were were to go. I think they're only yeah. sent us possibly three going, but um, that's I have a sneaking suspicion that might not. That could be way <laughs> off the mark here. Um, but then again, he could just walk tonight as well. Yeah, like they could be trying to miss deadlines tonight by not releasing that until a certain time. Um, That wouldn't be a first for any type of Mm. organisation. But um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. But it does seem like he is going. I hold a lot on that text that uh, he's allegedly sent to John O'Regan in Kerry uh, because they are very very good friends. The two of those, Um, John Delaney was in was in Kerry almost every second week uh, at some Mm. function, so they're very close. Uh, Strange he came out and said it yeah. John Regan but anyway he has so. right uh, co-rounders winning 2-1 last night away to Galway United Jays could be that boys and fire six goals in the first division already and an own goal giving them uh, a vital three points and a much needed three points I spoke to Ramblers manager Stephen Henderson today joined on the line by co-rounders manager Stephen Henderson and Stephen I'd imagine that result last night was just what the doctor ordered it's, it was exactly that Rory Um you know, we're, we're playing well, Rory, and we're not getting results. You know, last week against Cabinteely, it was a big battle for us. Uh, you know, it was, it's, it's a way you have to win football matches in um, in this league. Um, and again, it was very much the same. Very bumpy pitch, very, very strong breeze. Uh, the ball seemed to be up in the air an awful lot. But our, our lads stood up to it. And, you know, uh, young Kaboya was fantastic up front. And uh, to get the win, to get it away from home, uh, was brilliant and as you say it was exactly what the, the doctor ordered it keeps us uh, tipping away there doesn't it I'd imagine a result like that has a great effect in kind of like galvanising a dressing room yeah it does because um, we want to play a certain way of football but sometimes you can't do that Rory you know you, you kind of have to play to the elements and play against the opposition uh, so when we come in the lads are kind of disappointed in, in certain aspects but we said look what was important here is we're, we're away from home we're coming down to a very um uh, a Galway side, a very determined Galway side who are still playing for their manager and uh, you know they were strong, they were physical and um, that was what we had to do, we had one objective let's try and get a win 
and, and that's what we've done. And it's um, you know it's they're bringing us up the table a little bit and gets us closer to those playoff spots because we haven't given up on them by any stretch of the imagination. I think anybody who's watched Cove Ramblers over the last couple of years will know that the uh, the potential that James Kabia has, he seems to be uh, building on that potential this year and is turning out to be quite the player. Well, like, um, well, I was really impressed with Jay's um, last night was his um, his maturity. Like, he's only done his leaving start this year, already, you know. Um, but um, against a very physical, um, it has to be said, um, Galway side, he just knew when to come short and he knew when to run in behind. And, uh, you know, Jay's is deceptively very quick. And, uh, you know, he still has a lot to learn. But the great thing about this kid is he wants to. Uh, you know, he was one of the lads that come up at the end of the match. He come up and sat down on the bus and says, what can I do better? Uh, you know, and players like that, you know, I think are going to have a great future in the game because sometimes a player will play will play well, and uh, he'll think that's it. You know, they, you know, because they played well, uh, you know, they they kind of rest on their laurels a little bit. This kid, when he plays well, still wants to do more, and uh, he's gradually getting there. And I think he's going to have a big future in the game, yeah, for sure. Not just because of his ability, because he has a fantastic attitude. You obviously remember watching his dad play. Is he a similar player to his dad, or is he a different player? Um, you know, he's he's very similar. Like, um, you know, his dad was very quick, was great getting in behind. Uh, you know, so like they're very similar in that way. I just think Jade is developing more in terms of his hold up play. Um, you know, he was able to I think he does that a little bit um, you know, different to his father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's uh you know, he really is um he's he's a strong kid, he's getting stronger all the time. And that's what I'm saying, that's what I was impressed with him about last night. He when he needed to come short and hold her up and bring other players. He done that really well, but again, he still has that pace and that and and identifying when when to run in behind. And he done that guy. Still a lot to learn. And the fact that he has such a a father, the quality that you know that understands the game and understands the position. So he's getting good information in training, and he's getting good information at home. Now it's up to the kid himself to to take it on to the next level. Um, you scored both your goals in the first half last night. Was there any kind of nervy moments towards the end when you were trying to close out the win? Well, yeah, because there was a there's a gale force breeze there last night, Rob. I think it's here again today. You know, and um, you know they were very direct, Galway. Um, you know, they they have a lot of players who strike the ball really well and put the ball in on top of us. Uh, our two centre halves, Maxini was back last night, and uh, he he looked back to his old self. Uh, you know, he's getting up and winning part as did O'Reard and our back four in general, my lad. So like, you know, what we had to do was uh, we had to defend an awful lot of high balls into the box. And then pick up the second balls, you know, the likes of uh, Young O'Leary and, and Horley and, and O'Connor. And that's what they done. And our white players gave us an out. So uh, but there was a few hairy moments. But at the same time, we missed two or three great opportunities. And I mean, one-on-ones with the goalkeeper, uh, you know, to see the game out, which is, we didn't take it. Uh, so, like, that's why we made it nervy. But, you know, we got through it. We, we dug in there. We battled it out. And, uh, saw, saw it out for a great win, great three points. But, uh, again, like, you know... What we're trying to say to these lads, Rory, is that, look, at, we're winning the game and then we're losing two. We have to get ourselves into position. Can we win two or three games on the track? You know what I mean? I think that will give us the confidence then to go on a little bit of a run. You know, So like Longford Town, league leaders possibly uh, coming down to us next week. You know, We have to get ourselves right for that. And um, you know, if we can pick up a result there, a win, when I say a result, if we can pick up a win there, you know, we're on, our, hmm. we're on the way, I'd say. Yeah, Longford Town coming down to, to St. Cummins Park on Saturday night. Unbeaten Longford Town, uh, who had a great start to the season under Neil Fenn. So definitely not an easy game on Saturday night. No. Because, um, you know, I think Neil, Neil is lauded and rightly so. He has them playing uh, great. They play a lovely brand of football. 
uh, you know, they are unbeaten. Uh, he made some good changes this year. You know, he had some uh, flair players there last year where they'd be great to watch at times, but they'd lose games because of their flair players, really, you know. So I think he's made them a bit more solid without the ball and they're still uh, good going forward. So, uh, you know, and that's credit to Neil to have identified that, fixed that. And, uh, you know, they're hard to be, but they're very good going forward. So we have to have a plan and we have to kind of do the basics right. And that's all we've been focusing on the last couple of weeks, Rory. It's, it's just trying to implement the basics, get back to the basics of, of when we're defending, defending units. Uh, you know, just to do your job properly. Uh, when you're headers, don't be letting balls bounce. All these small things that can be big things. We've been trying to fix that and we need to do that against a good Longford team. But we have players that will um, that can hurt you as well. So I think it should be a great game. Well, I have you, Stephen. It's been a, an interesting week for Irish football, to, to say the least. What's your view on everything that's been happening to the Oireachtas hearing and everything that's gone on with that? Oh, God, Rory. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's been an interesting week. I think it's been a very, very sad week, to be honest with you. Um, I think myself, like most of the country, sat down and watched what was going on. Um, some of the, most of the country would have been uh, surprised. Unfortunately for us, we weren't. You know, that's what we have to. That's what we've been kind of dealing with. Um, I can't obviously can't say much about it at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, but it's um, you know it was really disappointing. But but that's what goes on, and uh, you know, League of Ireland football. Football for all in this country, isn't that what they say? So there should be no discrimination against any form of uh, football in this country. But I think most League of Ireland people would feel that we have been discriminated against for the last few years. And it should be the top uh, level in the game. I think what, what um, TDs are, are noticing that with a proper football industry in this country, uh, you know, that creates thousands of jobs, Rory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not just for football players, for coaches, for scientists for fitness people, for analysts. There's a, there's a proper industry there if uh, people looked after it properly and it can inspire uh, all young players in this country to, to have a professional league in this, in, within this country to aspire to and, you know, create our own international players. All that stuff could have, should have been done. And when you sat back and watched the Oireachtas there, you can see why it hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been really disappointing. Uh, hopefully um, it's the start of positive positive things to come for football in this country. Uh, you know, and just watching uh, what happened with, with um Jonathan last night, you know, that that's that's really, really sad, isn't it? I think it doesn't think help. A lot of this is just sad. That's that's you know, we can be all fuming inside, but if you have a genuine love for the game and you really want all levels of this game from grassroots up to the League of Ireland, if you want it to be to be right and proper and people to enjoy it and people to be respected in it. Uh, having someone like Jonathan uh, Escarda from the ground is, is a really dark day for Irish football in this country. Yeah, not a good look at all, is it? No, it was, it's not. Especially someone like Jonathan O'Brien. You know, who's, uh, you know, I think he was there to start with the Forest Group that saved Cork City from going out of existence. These kind of people should be uh, cherished, you know, yeah. not escorted out of the ground by the guards. And uh, I think that probably says everything about where we are at this moment in time. We're at, we're at the lowest ebb of a roller coaster here. We have to start uh, raising ourselves up. I don't think we can go any lower than that, Rory, to be honest with you. Well, <laughs> maybe we can. But um, at this moment in time, it was uh, for the man, good for the Cork City supporters that were there, good, good for League of Ireland supporters in general. That like This is what we're dealing with at this moment in time. But hopefully, hopefully, we can all sit down and come to some kind of solution that can bring football in this country as a whole, Rory. When I say a whole, I mean grassroots as well. Grassroots, all the way up to League of Ireland football. 
have a proper uh, professional industry within this country and have everybody working together from the schoolboy clubs to the to the to the county clubs to you know just everybody coming down sitting down together and saying how can we bring football forward without fighting about it you know what I mean just being respectful towards each other and let's get a really good pathway right from under eight all the way up to a professional league mm-hmm. here hopefully last night was the end of all the the really sad stuff that's going on Alright Stephen pleasure as always thanks for taking the call and congrats on the win last night Thanks a million kiss see you soon Yeah it's Stephen Henderson there talking about their win over Galway United cracking win uh, Jason could be uh, among the goals again and talk to Stephen about the comparisons uh, with uh, Jason's dad uh, Cork City and Cove Ramblers uh, striker Jason could be and uh, we've got Stephen's view as well on everything that's been happening with the FBI uh, and with John Delaney as well we expect this story to continue to develop overnight we'll be discussing it again on the Big Red Bench tomorrow from 6pm um, we are back then um, you can get our podcast redextra.ie Apple Podcasts as well and Spotify uh, Stevie's up next enjoy the rest of your Saturday night folks the Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.